Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. So I started with my leadership team first. Next approach we took, okay, we are going to go after hiring those engineers underneath them because I really needed coders to get through the aggressive phase. So you teams, you hire all those engineers once we had the architecture in place. So we did that. Then we started layering the managers to help and started carving out the sub-functional areas. And that's when we started to add in the layer of senior managers. Hello and welcome to the Engineering Leadership Podcast brought to you by ELC, the engineering leadership community. I'm Jerry Lee, founder of ELC. And I'm Patrick Gallagher, and we're your hosts. Our show shares the most critical perspectives, habits, and examples of great software engineering leaders to help evolve leadership in the tech industry. This episode features a session from our 2022 virtual ELC Summit with Anshu Narula and Kawaja Shams, discussing the story of how Anshu built and scaled Rivian's digital technology organization from scratch and making the transition from larger, more established companies. Anshu Narula is the VP of Digital Technology at Rivian, responsible for the strategic development of Rivian's digital ecosystem. She leads teams building products and architecting systems across the technology stack, overseeing a wide range of initiatives from Rivian.com to charging software. Kawaja Shams is the co-founder and CEO at Momento and is former VP of Engineering at AWS. During his time at AWS, he owned DynamoDB and subsequently owned product and engineering for all seven of the AWS media services. In their conversation, they cover Anshu's approach to scaling out the engineering team and leadership, critical cultural values for the early stages, early guiding principles and processes for the digital technology org, and where to start if you're building from zero. Enjoy this conversation with Anshu Narula and Kawaja Shams. Anshu, it's such a pleasure to meet with you and to pick your brain on how to build organizations. You have such a fascinating journey from an IC to a manager and, and moving on from an established company like PayPal to, to Rivian. I'd just love to understand what compelled you to transition away from PayPal into Rivian and what was that like to become the first digital tech hire at, uh, at Rivian? Yeah, so first of all, Kwaja, thank you so much for doing the interview. Really honored uh, to be part of the ELC community and share my experiences to the large. So to the question of why I joined, I left PayPal, eBay and came here <laughs> to build everything. Three things really, right? Greenfield opportunity to build everything from scratch, which is usually an engineer's dream. No legacy systems to deal with. So that was the first pull, right? The second pull was the mission of the company on what it was aspiring to be. It had just come out of the stealth mode a little bit time ago before I was, when I was speaking to them. 
and thirdly, and the people I interacted with. So that's what drew me here. I really loved working with PayPal and I've been there a while. I've built a lot of different products, but here it felt like it's very unique challenges, which is why I got here. So a little bit at Rivian, I am responsible for, um, when I say digital is a misnomer, doesn't really reflect. So let me give a little bit of color. So I am responsible for all the customer lifecycle journey and its interaction with our vehicle and chargers for both consumer and commercial vehicles that we have. Now, what that means is if you are configuring your vehicle, if you are purchasing your accessory or you are servicing your vehicle or you're charging your vehicle at our AC and DC chargers, I built all of that. I also built all the internal software that our service center, our guides, and our delivery team uses to communicate it with you all throughout the journey. So really, that's what got me here, right? The breadth and the opportunity to do all of that. And I knew it was going to be challenging, uh, very, very challenging. And it has proven out to be so. Wow. So greenfield, landscape, ability to start with a clean sheet of paper. And then you just described a whole bunch of things that you have accomplished. And you made it sound so easy. And I can only imagine the level of complexity involved here. When you mention greenfield, does that mean even building your organization from scratch? Yeah, so I not only had to build the organization, but also the system along with it. So that's absolutely true. And it's been a very fascinating journey, you know, and I look back and I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did all of that, but we did. Nice. When, when you were shaping the organization, what were the some of the most critical cultural values that you wanted to bring into the organization? Because you, you have the opportunity to shape it from scratch too, right? So I'm curious what, what stood out the most on the cultural side. Uh, for you? Yeah, so it was, so for me, it was collaboration and teamwork was number one on the list. And the second one on my list was inclusion, you know, from including people from different background, that was crucial. And those two values I really looked for while I was assembling it. Did that flow into your hiring strategy at all in terms of inclusion and bringing in people from a diversity of backgrounds and experiences? Yes, absolutely. That was my chance to get people in and that will set the tone for the organization. And I consciously made an effort to get people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic status. Of course, the common is, hey, you got to do, you have to know how to do the job. So I was looking for people who have done this before, who have built enterprise systems. But that was one of the values I really looked for and went out of my way to say, hey, this is my only chance to do it and let's do this right. I would love to hear a little bit more about how you thought about strategy and the processes and also just how you instilled a sense of urgency in your team to kind of execute towards the bold mission that you set. Yeah, so a little bit. So Rivian is like any other auto company. It's like not other software companies. It's a blend of a hardware, software, firmware company. We don't have dealerships, right? We are digital first. So it's a very unique play. I mean, I can sit on my couch and you can build your vehicle sitting on the couch, right? From the kind of, and we will come deliver that to you. <laughs> that is what we do. Mm -hmm. It's not unheard of because that's where it's coming. So now if you think about it, right, it is outcome, like really what I was looking for, Kwaja, is okay, let's define what the technology stack was. Let's define the guiding principles. What was the system architecture, right? Then the outcome, which I was really focused on, 
how does technology is an enabler and blend the seamless customer experience regardless from where you're coming from so that's the thought process how do i make it seamless for them it was a means to an end that using the technology stack was enabling something and that's the approach i took so you know i started hiring my leadership team and i looked for somebody who's done this before have experience doing this right now how do i structure the team how do i set them up should we do them horizontally you know vertically full stack teams should we organize them around project teams a lot of companies do that how do i define all the goals in terms of there is a build phase there is a scale phase there is a grow phase how do we define those phases what are the metrics that we want to put in place to achieve all of this so that is sort of what we went after you know and I, and I'll stop and give you a chance to come back and I'm sure you have multiple questions you'd like to ask on that no this sounds fantastic sounds like you you shaped the organization you you started designing it for inclusion and then you put in place some key metrics to indicate success and and you started marching forward uh, with those by having and adding some domain experts to to the mix what was the kind of the biggest surprise along the way when you were shaping this organization pleasant or not we just love to know like what surprised you the most well so one of the earlier learnings was as i was assembling the teams the pandemic hit so all are okay we had to pivot how are we going to interview just over at that point and people were not were not very anxious they didn't know in the valley Rivian was right it's not a traditional software company right. so we had to go socialize so it was very different the mindset wasn't there the socialization wasn't there so we had to early on then pivot and talk a lot more about and we could only talk to a certain extent right we were still privately listed at that point in time so we had to pivot around that how to socialize how to excite you know to come in the right set of folks right i wanted to hire more established and senior folks who would lay down the groundwork and then we could pivot towards hiring junior engineers now how do you excite them to work and so we had to put a you know story around that then we were successful and we had to pivot around well you haven't seen what a rivian office is and you are onboarding so how are we going to you know share what our values are so that was taken an interesting learning right at that point in time but you know we got there shaping a culture remotely is a whole other art right many of us just haven't even thought about that until the pandemic hit I'd love to know if you have any insights on shaping a culture in a remote first environment or or where majority of your new hires are remote and they've never stepped foot in your physical office. Any tips on that would I think would help a lot of us. It was really difficult because how do you imbibe and we were lucky that we people could come in right the pandemic it was with masks on and as things opened up but it was hard we started hosting some sessions to educate them right talk about our values talk about our current state of our systems talk about what was coming in future but it was really really hard because you know the mindset is very different if you're coming from a bigger company right how do you adapt to a smaller pace a faster pace right with the changing landscape with the choice of here's a plethora of technology that we could use oh that's cool and that's great so you know and then reiterating that message about what our focus is reiterating the message 
over and over again in many forums on saying, no, this is our goal, this is what we are driving towards, and sharing information with, with the employees, with the new hires, providing them buddies, providing them with you know people that they could reach out to. It was a challenge. <laughs> I, I can totally imagine. And if somebody was to be starting today in the shoes you were in a few years ago and shaping up a brand new organization from the ground up, what tips would you have for them to be successful? So I think two things. First is identify the landscape and the organization needs. What is it that you are, what will work there, right? Is velocity an important consideration? Is cost an important consideration? Is project teams a better model, right? Or the ownership of the systems, right? From an engineering perspective, is that an important consideration, right? So you have to understand and meet where the organization is, right? So those are the criteria you have to put and then define how you want to shape the organization. I was lucky because there was no there was no legacy system to deal with. Very rarely do you get an opportunity that you walk in and do everything from clean sheet. I get to choose what source code control to use. Mm -hmm. I get to choose what to do for detection and alerting at that point in time. I get to choose what databases to use, but not everybody has that opportunity. So really, you have to really pay attention to what is required for for that organization to be successful and what is the landscape. And once you define that, I think it just like falls in place. And along the way, you have to adapt and you have to tweak because it's, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So for example, so we came up with a model. We'll do a two-week sprint model and I would try. Let's not really do any releases on Friday because we don't want to bleed it over on the weekend. Yep. And most of the long holidays in U.S. are usually combined with the weekend. So our sprints are from Tuesday to Monday, right? Start of sprint, end of sprint, two weeks up. Now, will that work in every organization? I would not say that because you're probably the velocity that you need is probably sprint a week cadence. Probably the velocity requires a two-day like a, a two-day sprint some in some scenarios. So you have to understand the outcome that you're trying to achieve. So for us, when I said, okay, Tuesday to Monday, two-week sprint at this point, let's not try to, and that's not to say that we won't release every week. I can release it every two days, but it's a conscious choice. Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. Got it. And you mentioned having a variety of options, horizontal, vertical, matrix organizations or full stack or project based and so forth. I'd love to hear how you ended up designing the org. Like, did you end up doing verticals? Did you end up doing project based? Like, how was the shape of the organization that you ended it out with? Yeah, so we ended up with a little bit of horizontal and a little bit of, and quite a bit of vertical teams, right? So my construct was for consumer and commercial vehicle, let's reuse as much software as you want because we knew our pace was pretty fast. We were shipping three vehicles in a year and we did it, right? Last year, 
and I knew the pace that was required was going to be very fast. So let's reuse as much software as we possibly can for both our consumer and commercial vehicles. And there are different scenarios. So we ended up in a bit of a horizontal and quite a bit of vertical teams. We did not, or we floated the idea around project teams, but it isn't going to work, I don't think, for our model. So that's where we landed. And, and can you elaborate on what horizontal and vertical means for, for Rivian specifically? Like what would be an example of a horizontal org and what would be a vertical org? So for a vertical org, when you go through a purchase journey today, and you can do that on .com today, that is becomes a vertical. Okay. Now the horizontal, there are a number of microservices that we are sharing across the board as the customer journey and the vehicle journey interacts. Yeah. So that is the philosophy I take. Okay. So that becomes a horizontal team or a platform team. I, and that's where we ended up leading. Got it. And can you talk a little bit about ways in which you scaled the mechanisms for your team, how you grew perhaps the processes or the leaders in your organization to help the broader company do more? I had the opportunity and I was lucky, right, that I get to build everything. So, <laughs> and it was a very tall order, Kwaja, to be honest, right? And it, it was, so I started with my leadership team first, hired them all fast. I think pretty fast in the industry and not everybody came from my network, which is usually came. So we opened it up. It was open and we have people, I came in and we hired on them all. Next approach we took, okay, we are going to go after hiring those engineers, right? Underneath them, because that I really needed coders to get through the aggressive phase that we were on. And we did that and that's the approach, right? Once we got there, so we divided up our the capabilities that we needed to develop in months, which led up to quarters. And we said, okay, this thing targeted for month Z, we need X, Y, Z. These are the capabilities. So you teams, you hire all those engineers once we had the architecture in place. So we did that. So that was the step two. Step three is when the mass size of the engineers got too much to handle, then we started layering the managers to help and started carving out the sub-functional areas. So then we could scale it that way because it was starting to get impossible. And that's when we started to add in the layer of uh, senior managers. Got it. I, I really like this idea of, you know, resisting the instinct to just start with the ground floor of the engineers, just hiring the leaders first, identify the verticals or areas that they're going to shape and own and let them own the hiring of the team underneath them. And then I think you mentioned something similar with the senior engineers too. You hired the senior engineers first to lay out the groundwork and then you hired the junior engineers that can come in, be mentored and, and propelled upwards by, by these folks. Yeah, it was a very difficult situation. Because at this point, Rivian was not that much known in the Valley, number one. Number two, we were at a very high speed. We were hiring at a very aggressive pace every week, every month. Thirdly, the pandemic. And we, I was pretty clear on the locations we were going into. So that was also a very thought process I put in place, which locations we are going into. So yeah, it, was, it was challenging. So I still look back and say, oh my goodness, we got there. Awesome. <laughs> Well, I'll share one of the paradoxes that I have personally struggled with. I loved your perspective on this. You mentioned that you hired some domain experts that had done some of what you were going to do before. You were really innovating. You were doing things that had never been done before. The combination of these things had never been done before. So how did you 
kind of balance the finding people who have done it before while also embarking on something that's never actually been done before? Yeah, so what I was really looking for a couple of things, right? Have you built enterprise-grade systems? I'm not necessarily looking for, do you have this manufacturing background? Have you worked in an automotive before? So that's that wasn't I was focused on. We did eventually hire folks with that background as well, but I was more focused on that, like, have you built enterprise-grade system before? Do you know the construct of what I want to achieve in terms of like availability and reliability and quality and failovers. And there was like, literally I put all of that in place. So that was the focus first for even the senior folks that I looked for. Do you know how to do this, right? Technology stack, like an expertise in a certain language came later, right? Because technology changes so fast. Okay, as long as we have certain number of people and I let the leaders and the managers own that, you have certain expertise in this and then you figure out what you need. Some can be trained, some cannot be trained. Got it. That's awesome. So I, I guess what matters is not, they, have, they don't necessarily have to done exactly what you're about to go do, but there's a few attributes that you identified with the domains that you wanted to double down on and you brought them in. Now, on a behavioral level, what were the core attributes that you really looked for when you were building that first layer of leadership under you? What was the most critical set of attributes that you really wanted to make sure that the leaders in your org possessed? Teamwork. A team can only function if you work well together at this point. They can only deliver if they're all moving towards the same goal and the same. So that for me was very crucial, how you interact with each other, right? Yes, you will have differences, you know, among engineers, smart engineers, 15 ways to find a solution, but can you agree on an approach and move forward? There will be some short-term wins that we will do, which we'll have to go back and undo, but can we all clear, right? Is the expectation on building, right? So my definition of enterprise great systems, what I mean is, do you understand, right? What are those layers that I am looking for? Now, sure, and that's what, so teamwork I think was crucial. Collaboration was crucial and that's what I picked them. Will you, do you have that mental agility, right? That was one of the other things. Do you have the mental agility and adaptability, right? Rivian was a very small company at that point in time. It's, you know, then turned out to be a very large company about now. But, you know, do you have the mental agility to keep up? So that was the second thing I was looking for in my leadership team. Got it. And, and just building on that, how do you source for that? And how do you assess for that once you have sourced the individuals? Yeah, so some, so reference checks, referrals came in very handy. We put them through a pretty intensive interview process. Then we were searching for what your values are, right? How do you deal with conflicts? How do you make those decisions? And we are looking for examples for them to share. Give me an example how you solve this. Give me an example, you know, that you did not, a decision did not go down your way, but I want to listen, you know, to your approach because I think that's crucial and that demonstrates that behavior out, right? At this point and right. And if you're going to put somebody with, you know, at that level, five to seven, you know, people interviewing, it's going to come out. And then we debrief and it'll come out and say, okay, yes or a no. And if, you know, we are tied on a candidate, we just said, okay, no, let's defer as to no, because we've done already enough interviews. I'm not going to you know, continue interviewing to get a different answer. And that, you know, that hurt in a lot of cases. 
I, I can imagine. And that tenet of it's better to lose a good candidate versus hire a bad one, I, I think it, it's so crucial, especially in the early wins. At my company, we made a rule where unless like at least one person is jumping up and down about the person that we're interviewing, we don't hire them. We all have to be super excited. And one person has to be jumping up and down saying, when does this person, this candidate start? And that bar, I think, certainly helps. How do you balance the pace of innovation with the quality? Because at Rivian, you, you had to move fast. You were shipping three vehicles. You had to get out the door. But also, since you own the end-to-end customer journey, got to be paying attention to a seamless experience. So how did you balance that? In the first year, I had defined what those goals are, right? On quality, how we are going to measure it. What is our SLAs on availability? I defined those goals. What is going to be our code coverage? I had very ambitious goals, honestly speaking, and everybody talked me out of it. And I said, okay, fine, we're not here in the first year. And the expectation was set from like, Pretty early on, this is the goal. Within three months, I had defined those. At the end of that year, we measured those. Where did we land? Did we achieve those or not? And I did not want to define like 10 metrics. The metrics were there not to game the system, and that happens a lot as well. They were in in there to say, you know, move us towards the right journey. And in some scenarios, to your point, Kwaja, Yes, we had to take some shortcuts, but we were we took it with open eyes and with knowing we will come back to this and we did go back to this. The next year after this year, I've already defined them. They were already circulated out. We will measure it again, <laughs> quarter over quarter and see where we land. And it's not going to be a perfect system. I don't expect that because we are, you know, if you want to achieve all the fan- fantastic goals, you never have to write any software. But that's not the situation we are in. So we are going to measure that again. We make a conscious choice and we go back and fix it. That's fantastic. What advice would you have for an engineering leader or digital technology leader building their organization from scratch? Figure out what your like landscapes. What is it that, what your landscape is? I can't hone this enough. What your landscape is, what is the appetite for the organization? What is it, a pay? is it the cost? Is it like innovation or what is it that will work in that? And that's what should define your strategy, right? Like I said, a project teams will work for a lot of organization. Does it work in that construct? Is it a long-term play or a short-term play? That's really the key to success. That makes great sense. And any final lessons from the early days of Rivian's digital technology or that are interesting to share with the with our audience today? I will say this. I've been working in the industry for a really long time. I have never built so much product that fast, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> which is being used. And we probably have more than 50 plus systems in less than two years, which are being used every single day. And they all work, not to say that we don't have problems, but we fix them pretty fast. They work. I hope some of the folks in the audience, you know, have used them. And that's one thing which has been very fascinating to watch. And it's not that there was a playbook defined. I didn't have a playbook. I said, okay, let's do this. And one step and the next step, and we did it. So that's one fascinating insight I achieved. The second one was technology has evolved a lot, lot time, right? It's not, it's like cloud-based systems. It has given us the opportunity to move very fast. So we didn't say this is the only technology set we will use. We didn't define that bound. And we said, this is the provider. This is the preference that we have. 
let's see if this works for us and if it works for us let's go ahead and use it and that's the approach i think we did and the teams came around and we found the right solutions again i think i want to emphasize this enough let technology be the enabler and find the right technology to solve the case on what you are attempting to achieve rather than the other way around a lot of people make that mistakes oh this is the coolest new technology i want to use it but does it serve the purpose this is fantastic anshu i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me i learned so much and i'm really happy that this conversation was captured for the rest of the audience we're also going to have the benefits that i had with this conversation thank you again for taking the time to chat yeah thank you thank you so much kwaja it's an honor to talk to all of you If you enjoyed the episode, make sure that you click subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or follow if you're listening on Spotify. And if you love the show, we also have a ton of other ways to stay involved with the engineering leadership community. To stay up to date and learn more about all of our upcoming events, our peer groups and other programs that are going on, head to sfelc.com. That's sfelc.com. See you next time on the Engineering Leadership Podcast.